welcome to episode number 32 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. In this episode, I'm going to answer a little bit of listener email and talk a little bit about operating on a budget. When you want to buy a firearm on a firearm, customize that AR on a budget, a few little tips on things you can do to help you out. And before we get into all that, I got to introduce, or announce rather, uh, the winner of the Surefire Light giveaway. And with me to announce the winner of the Surefire Light giveaway is none other than my son, Gabriel Shaw. So Gabe, who won? Robert Landers. Robert Landers won, and that was Gabe. Gabe was letting you guys know who won. He's been here forever. We've done about 50, and I'm not even exaggerating, 50 takes of this episode of Gunfighter Cast because he wants to jump around, slap his feet together like he's clapping with his feet, uh, all kind of crazy stuff, acting crazy because he can't sit still long enough to start a show off. So, Gabe, you did it. You made it this far. How do you feel? Pretty good. All right. Robert, make sure you send me an email. Daniel at GunfighterCast.com, and make sure I have your good address so I can go ahead and send that thing out to you. And everybody else who entered in the raffle, thanks a lot. Next time if I do anything like this, please do not put raffle in the comment. It's not your fault. It's my fault. PayPal went insane. Uh, They were about to come SWAT teaming in through my windows and stuff like that and say that I was doing some kind of gambling operation or something crazy. But it took a few days, but I got it all straightened out. But uh, it got pretty bad there for a little bit. Because they thought I was doing some kind of crazy gaming thing on the internet or something. But again, thanks for playing and thanks for helping out Gunfighter Cast. I appreciate your support. Sorry you didn't win. I promise I'll give you something later on. Uh, speaking of give you something later on, I've got something to give you in this episode. But we'll get to that here in a few minutes. First, I've got to tell you guys why I haven't been here in so long. Kind of forgotten how much fun it is to record Gunfighter Cast. I missed this. I missed you guys. I had a baby. It's a boy. That's it. Probably a little more to it. Uh, had a baby boy. He was, how much was he born? Six pounds even when he was born? No, he was 6.5, I think. Yeah, 6.5, I think. And uh, his name's Gunner Allen Shaw. He's a good little boy. He doesn't sleep at night. He drinks a lot of milk. He's not happy unless he's drinking milk, and he doesn't drink from a bottle. Or a bottle. <laughs> he doesn't drink from a bottle, if that makes sense. And uh, that's pretty much what he does. He cries all night, drinks milk all day. And, uh, poops a lot. <laughs> and he's been taking up a lot of my time. And then also I flew about 46, 48 hours within three days to North Carolina from here to pick up my son Gabe, which is finally here. And that was quite an adventure. I flew military space available all the way over there to get him and then back. And I had to just jump on flights where I could, where they were available and make them connect here and there. And finally get back to the continental U.S. and make it to North Carolina, get him, and then back to where my other flight was in time to get back here. And it uh, barely made it all in time. But he's here for the summer, and I get to do it all again in August when I take him back. Oh, he didn't do too bad flying. He slept for the longest flight, or like 10 or 11-hour flight. He slept for about eight hours of it, so it didn't seem like much to him. Uh, but anyway, Gabe, you been having fun here in Okinawa? Yeah. You like Okinawa? What'd you do here? You learned to eat from you learned to eat with chopsticks finally, right? Yep. Been working on that one for a few years. He's finally got it now. Alright. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for the, the beginning of the show. Or we're gonna take a real quick break and I'll be right back and we'll get into the topic. Can anyone at the Brady campaign perform basic math? 
Once again, the Brady Campaign released their state-by-state scorecard of who has enacted gun control laws that the Brady Campaign claims are effective. The Brady Campaign praises restrictive California with a high score of 79 and gives restriction-free Utah a zero. Yet, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, California has a violent crime rate more than double that of Utah. This clearly shows one of two things. Either gun control enables violent criminals, or the Brady campaign is incapable of rational thought. Or both. Arm yourself with facts to strip the gun control industry bare. Visit gunfacts.info and get your free copy of Gun Facts. Called Indispensable by Cam Edwards of NRA News, Gun Facts is your rapid reference guide to debunking gun control myths and shaming politicians into obedience. www.gunfacts.info Alright, welcome back. Right before I start answering some emails, the reason I've been gone, if you haven't figured it out, because I had a baby. Life's a little bit harder. And I'm also enrolled in three college courses right now and work, so it's kind of gotten a little bit out of hand. And then with Gabe being here, going and getting him, getting back, it's kind of been pretty rough, gotten pretty busy. I apologize for not getting an episode out to you. I feel like I'm letting somebody down when I'm not doing it. And I also feel like I'm letting myself down because I really enjoy doing it. I enjoy getting the feedback and uh, just putting the information out there, You know, whether it's good or bad, whatever my information is. So I, f- I feel like I'm I'm doing something wrong when I'm not putting one out, so I apologize. And don't send me emails telling me that I shouldn't apologize because I got no reason to. It's free or whatever. Don't treat me like Eric Shelton because I'm not going to say I'm sorry for saying I'm sorry. It's my show, all right? If I want to apologize, I'm going to apologize, all right? It's what I expect out of myself. And I probably could have put out at least one show within that time, but, you know, here and there didn't happen because it's not only their fault. It's also this new habit I got, this new problem, this new hobby that I didn't need but I really enjoy. I started playing guitar. Really wanted a guitar and I wanted to get into it and I went out and bought the only guitar I could afford out in town here. It's a Chinese made piece of junk. I cannot slam an F bar chord to save my life on it. Uh, it just drives me crazy, this guitar. But uh, it plays all most of the other chords good. Just bar chords are really hard for me. Um, just got a, a really high action and just. It's made in China. It's not so great. It was cheap. But uh, it, it's helped me learn. I've, I, all I have to do right now is I can play like two songs. I can play a little Pumpkin song. Uh, one of their B-sides. play uh, some one or two Bob Marley songs. I'm really having a good time playing guitar and learning guitar. And that's taking up a lot of time too. So I can't really sit, blame everything on the kids and the family. i got to blame a little bit on my new hobby. Which is also going to be something that takes money. Because I can't live with that guitar very long. Because when I went flew in to pick up my son... Uh, I ended up going to Guitar Center, and I got my hands on a $500 Made in Mexico Martin and Company guitar, which I could throw that F bar chord with no trouble on. And uh, a lot of the other guitars there I liked a lot. It was a Tecumini I liked a lot. But anyway, you know, you guys don't care about guitars. Well, some of you might, but that's my new thing. Uh, can't have a gun here, so i got to have something to replace that with, I guess, and the guitar became that. So that's one of my goals, you know, be almost at the master's degree when I leave here. Uh be in better shape physically than when I got here, and be able to play the guitar with reasonable success. Those are pretty much my three goals in Okinawa. And uh, they're all kind of tracking right now. Except for maybe the uh, being in better shape physically, because when your wife's pregnant and eats a lot, you tend to eat a lot too. So that's kind of 
been happening to me, but we'll do something about it soon. Anyway, sorry for going all crazy on a guitar tangent, but man, it's a lot of fun. I know you guitar players are probably passionate about it as well, and uh, it's just great. I've been on Justin's guitar, uh, learning from him. If you guys know anything about that, if you don't, check it out. If you want to learn guitar, I would completely recommend it. Awesome website, good teaching. All right, I'll stop with the guitar now. I'm done. Uh, well, one more thing. I did make a goal for myself this past weekend that by next 4th of July, I will have an electric guitar and a really big freaking amp. And I'll put it out on my 7th floor patio and plug it into the plugging plug uh, to the outlet out there. And I'm going to crank it up as loud as I can, have a distortion pedal. And I'm just going to lay in to the Star Spangled Banner and just wear it out on the next 4th of July. So I've got one year to prepare. So uh, hopefully I'm there and I do it justice. That's my goal. All right, we're going to start off with an easy one first. All right. First email from Aaron West. I was listening to your podcast recently regarding painting of your rifle slash carbine. I was wondering if you clean the paint off when you go from a jungle forest background to a desert background. If so, what or how do you clean the paint off? Or what do you clean the paint off with? I know the podcast was a while ago, but I'm playing catch up. All right. Um, if I've got my gun painted up, say right now, it's kind of like an autumn wooded area pattern on it. And say I was going to the desert. What I would do to do that, do to do, what I would do to prepare for that is uh, I would go buy some paint that would match the scenery in the desert and clean it up, make sure there's no oils on it or anything so the paint would stick to it. And uh, a little soap and water all over that thing so it's ready to receive some new paint and paint right over the old paint. That's what I would do because the more paint the merrier, then you're not going to get scratched up. And if it doesn't get scratched up, just paint over it again. It's kind of like a truck. You know, you got a truck that's got a nice paint job, you don't want to go play with it. You got a truck that's got primer all over it, you're like, so what? I got a couple spray cans in the truck. If I scratch it up, I'll just spray right over it. And that's kind of how it is. So uh, going from, if you're talking about nylons, or uh, some kind of fabric, you really want to keep things as light as possible because it's really easy to make light things dark, but it's really hard to make dark things light again when you're talking about fabrics. But when you're talking about that metal surface and plastic surfaces uh, and all that on your AR, that paint will stick. You know, if you got a good and clean, no oils and everything on there, you, you the paint will stick no matter what color it is. The, the gun doesn't care. So uh, I wouldn't take it, bother taking it off at all. I would just paint over it. That's just me. Um, if anything, if you've been doing it for a while, or like you just, you just, you're just some kind of you know BA, and you just environment killing bad guys to jungle environment killing bad guys, you do that all the time. Then you might want to take a little you know fine sandpaper and just knock off a little bit of that excess and get a nice little rough surface for the paint to adhere to again. Uh, might work out for you. But yeah, that's pretty much all I would do. I wouldn't even worry about taking it off. I'll just paint right over it. And that was from Aaron West. Thanks for asking that. Hope I did your question justice, Aaron. Uh, this is from Violet Bob. <laughs> what a cool email. Anyway, but this guy must be pretty violent. But uh, his name's Robert. All right, Robert sent me this email. He said, did you ever follow up on the crossbow? I'm in the market now and, and leaning towards uglies, but if ES, ESS has... I can't read today. If ESS has quality optics, I may try them. I've been looking for good multi-use sunglasses. I'm kind of leaning towards the Oakley fuel cell, but the crossbow looks more casual than the radar and may suit my needs. 
he's just looking for a little bit of a, or my opinion, I guess he says. Um, you know, I, I haven't been able to use these crossbows like I would like to use them, but I've used them, uh, went out and taught some out for a while, and I wore them out there, was out there in the rain, and that was changing temperatures in the environments. Uh, and so these things, don't, they don't fog. I mean, that inside of the, the glasses don't fog. It's, I was really impressed by that. I still am. It's just, they fit nice. They cover everything well. For tactical use, I completely swear by the crossbow now. Um, I still, I mean, like I said, I haven't went crazy in reviewing the, or, uh, you know, trying things out. But everything I've done with them and everything, I've just, they're comfortable. I forget I have them on. They fit great. I really, really like them a lot. And it's my opinion from when I introduced them to you guys hasn't changed. I'm still completely impressed by them. And I would definitely buy a pair. And if you're looking for sunglasses for tactical purposes, I would definitely say buy the crossbow. I really would. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed. But my only issue with them was the same issue I have with a lot of these tactical glasses. I have, I guess, kind of a narrow face, and they kind of stick out a little bit on the side. The crossbow is not near as bad as the ice. Crossbows are about the same as maybe the Oakley M-frames, the original M-frames, not the 2.0. Uh, they may not be quite as bad as the original M-frames as far as width, but they're closer to the M-frame 2.0, but still, they're, they just seem a little bit weed-eater, weed-eatery to me. You know, like... Uh, it's just something about those kind of glasses that I, I, I don't know. Uh, the clear lenses look incredibly cool, but somehow that just for tactical purposes, yes. For every day chilling, going out with the family somewhere, I don't sport them. I go with my fives or, uh, yeah, my, I think that's what I got is ugly fives or tens. I think they might be tens. I don't know. That's what I, I wear, you know, out in regular land. But for tactical purposes, again, yes. You will not be wasting your money on the crossbow. And if you're trying to decide between Oakley and ESS, that's not a decision. Because Oakley is ESS. ESS is Oakley. If that helps influence your decision at all, they're all they're both held to the exact same standards, the high standards that Oakley has. So by all means, um, if you're still considering the crossbow, go ahead and get them, Robert. You're going to not be disappointed. Alrighty. Uh, next one from Donnie King. Hey, Daniel. I just discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and I've gotten a lot of good information. Sure you have. At least you think you have. I have a question which I'm not sure you've covered already, but here goes. Are there any issues, good or bad, using the magazine of your rifle as support while firing? I'm new in the Army and was taught in basic to place the magazine on the ground when in the prone position. But at my unit, I got an earful for doing it. Thanks for your podcast and your time. Well... I don't know why you're taught in basic to do that, because it's not a good idea. But I'll get into that here in a second. In Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Recruit Training, and anywhere else in the Marine Corps, it is a violation of the rules on the range to put your magazine on the deck. So you can't do that. That's illegal support. But we also shoot at 500 yards, too, and other things. But different story altogether. I'm not going to start knocking you guys. Just have to throw it out there real quick, just to... You know, raise some heartbeats or get some pulses up for you, Army guys. But the uh, magazine on the ground issue, I've heard stories before about how putting your magazine on the ground affects the harmonics of the barrel. Now, okay, we're talking about a 5.56 here. We're talking about an AR-15 or an M16 or an M4. We're talking about 
affecting harmonics of the barrel? Are we that accurate? Are we taking that precise of shots that we don't want to affect harmonics in the barrel with this weapon? That's just ridiculous. All right, It's in the receiver as well. It's not going to affect any harmonics in the barrel. Now, what it can do, if you've got that magazine on the ground and you're using it for support, it can sit there on the ground and be great support for you all day long and work absolutely perfectly. But then again, whenever you don't want to have a stoppage, by pushing up on the magazine, and anybody who has an AR or an M16, especially some of the older ones that have been a little bit wore out and stuff and tolerance aren't what they used to be, you push up on that magazine, there's a little bit of leeway there. It'll go in further than when it just naturally sits in there. By doing that, you're putting more pressure on the rounds that are in that magazine and on the bottom of that bolt carrier. When you do that, you can cause that bolt carrier not to cycle properly. And you can cause it to cause stoppages, where it's, whether it's a failure to feed because it didn't cycle all the way to the rear, or whether it's a failure to go all the way back into battery. Uh, it could be numerous different things. So you don't want to put the magazine on the ground. You definitely don't want to have the weight of the weapon or anything of the weight of the weapon in, especially not the army guys, man, because you guys, you guys get every accessory known to man for M16s, and we don't even use M16. That's like old news for you guys. But you get like every accessory known to man for M4, so your guns are probably really heavy. Not, that's not really a joke. I mean, I'm kind of jealous actually. But uh, yeah, just I wouldn't put it on the ground, man. Not a good idea. Uh, just because it really increases your chances of causing a stoppage by putting stresses on the interns or interns, the internal <laughs> mechanisms of that weapon. Uh, so bad idea. And uh, I hope that answers your question, Donnie. Uh, thanks for asking it. All right, now we're getting down to it a little bit. All right, this guy's really cool because he says I have a great show. It says his name's uh, Albie, Albie Fresh. Not sure who that is or what that's all about, but it's uh, this is from Albie Fresh, uh, Daniel. Great show, improving with every episode until this one, uh, and your dedication to your listeners really shows. I wanted some advice on carrying concealed pistol in condition one, which is almost always my default. I have found, however, that each time I clear my weapon when I get home, the brass in the cartridge comes out a little bit more gnarled from the extractor popping it out. I ignored this, thinking my Glock will eat through almost any ammo but it got to the point where the round failed to feed properly. Is there any way to get around this problem? I thought about just rotating the cartridge, but doing this is one, one or more times daily has led to a lot of damaged brass, which lowers my confidence during concealed carry. I would usually just fire these off during my next session of practice uh, with my actual defense ammo, but sometimes I can't get to the enough. Answering that question, you know, you're carrying condition one and you come home every day, from whenever you're carrying, you, you unload that weapon and you, your extractor is ripping a little bit on that thing. Now, it could be because your chamber's dirty. When your chamber gets really dirty, now, don't go crazy and say, come on, you're crazy. I'm going to go into a few different things. If, if a chamber is extremely dirty or quite dirty and it's tighter in there, bullet has been sitting in there for a little bit. This usually isn't an issue unless it's been firing and heat is called, it's caused a little bit of expansion stuff. Uh, and stuff, that was my technical term, then rounds are a little bit harder to get out of the chamber. So that extractor has to pull a little bit more, and it may pull with a little bit more pressure than that brass there that it's holding onto can withstand, so it starts to mess it up. So make sure that chamber's good and clean. Use a good chamber brush, clean that thing up real good. Uh, use your Dremel tool and polish that chamber, you know, whatever. That's what I do anyway. My shade tree gunsmithing. But uh, maybe that's an issue. But then again, it might just be that you're unloading it and it's perfectly clean, and it's still happening. 
maybe think about a different type of ammunition that, that can withstand a little bit more, you know, that problem, a little bit more of uh, ejecting and uh, extracting might be something to think about. But what I would do personally, and this is what I do, I just don't unload it. If I'm going to the range to shoot, I'll unload my gun in the car before I go into the range. And then I'll load whatever ammunition I'm shooting in the range while I'm out there. And when I get back to my car before I leave, I refill my magazines with my carry ammunition, make my weapon condition one, put it on my side, and that's the way it stays. I don't unload my weapon when I go in the house. I don't unload it when I go anywhere. I personally, I do a lot of press checks or brass checks, whatever you want to call it, but I don't unload it. For me, the way I live and the way I you know, keep my weapon, I keep it on me in the house, because to me, that's I believe that's the safest place, is have the weapon on your side in your house, because it can protect you, and it can also make sure nobody else is messing with the only loaded weapon in the house, uh, if it is, in fact, the only loaded weapon in the house. So I don't unload it. Maybe you should think about you know changing the, what you're doing, because uh, people will kick in doors and shoot people all the time and take their stuff and rape their wives and stuff, so carrying a gun in your house is... Probably not a bad idea to start doing if it's uh, you know okay with the family. That's what I would do. I just I wouldn't unload it, man. I mean, that's I know it's kind of like the doctor. You go to the doctor. My arm hurts when I do this, and he says don't do that. Uh, that's kind of that kind of answer. But to me, that makes sense, and I hope it makes sense to you. But anyway, I'll be fresh. <laughs> Thanks for asking that. All right, but anyway, anyway, let's get a little bit of ideas for when you're on a budget. All right, and I just wrote down a few things, and I could probably sit here and brainstorm about a, f- a lot more. And I'm also very interested in what you guys have. Post it on the forum so you guys can share for each other. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Gumbook. I've only got like 300 members on Gumbook. You guys still got to get on Gumbook. It's hard to find. You got to search for it. I'll put another link up for it on GunfighterCast later on so you guys can find it. Because it's not a page. It's like an activity or something. So you can't just search pages and find it. I don't know why. But Facebook's crazy. But anyway, Gunbook. Get on there and put all your pictures of your cool guns on there. Uh, so everybody can wish they had your guns. Put your address on there too. And where you leave your spare key. Just saying. Anyway, ideas for when you're on a budget. The first thing that came to my mind. Alright, I am on a serious budget. And I've always been on a budget. Alright, it's just one thing that I'm plagued with is being on a budget. So one of these days I'm going to not be on as tight a budget as I am right now. Like this past weekend, or this past payday, you know, I had an extra hundred bucks. Lightning, really bad. Storm one night. Even though I've got a $150 surge protector with all of our computers, printers, and router and everything hooked into, somehow lightning runs in onto my wife's computer and fries her power supply. So I gotta go buy a new $100 power supply. Can't go buy a crappy one. She's running to... NVIDIA, well, they were high-speed. Now they're not so much. Uh, 8,800 GTSs uh, in SLI. So she's got to have at least a 650-watt video or uh, power supply. So there goes 100 bucks. Right? Just uh, that always happens to me. You know, I, my next thing is whenever I have a little bit of extra money, I'm going to get that Martin & Company made a Mexico guitar or the Take a Mini or one of those guitars I want because that new guitar, i got to have it. You know, that's just, that's just the way it is. All the bills are good. They're all caught up and everything, but just never get to seem to get to the wants, you know, and that's kind of the way it's always been. Uh, so I'm always on a budget. So I can, every once in a while, I can scam a little bit of money here and there and get some stuff that I need. So back when I built my AR a couple of years ago, back when me and Justin were building ARs together, 
Um, I couldn't afford a really nice light, so I bought a TLR1 for, I think, $98 or something like that. They're a little bit more expensive then than they were now. Uh, they've actually went down quite a bit since then. But a TLR1, made by Streamlight, can't beat it. Extremely bright, especially if you get one of the LED versions. Very, very bright. Throw that on your rifle, or you can throw it on your pistol. They can work for both, which is great. You don't need a big, huge, massive light on that AR. Uh, you can use that TLR1 for both, and that's I think that's a great way to get a light on your gun. If you think that's a necessity for you, you want a light on your gun for home protection or whatever, TLR1 is a great, affordable way to put some light on your weapon. And now you're saying, well, I just built an AR, or I bought a stock AR for $600 or $650, because you can get them for around that price. Just 16-inch barrels, bare bones, probably a flat top, no quad rail system, handguards, nothing like that. Maybe not even have a telescoping stock on it. Just a basic gun for 600 650 bucks. You can do that. It's not hard. But you want a handguard to put that TLR1 on. There's quite a few options you can go with. There's some clip-on handguards, some snap-ons that aren't too expensive. Now, you go with some of the big-name companies, you're going to get what you pay for, in my opinion. Uh, I paid $115 for Midwest Industries 10-inch free float quad rail handguard. And in the words of whoever it was used to do the movies on Mad TV, hated it, or was it Mad TV? I don't know, but it was, or uh, In Living Color, yeah, that was it. You know, it was horrible. This Midwest Industries quad rail was just, it was worthless. All right, I, it's not, it doesn't even go on right. It's crooked from the start. If I put an optic on it, my optic is going to take, it's going to be, the zero is going to be crazy to adjust just because this thing's not even centered. It does, the, the barrel doesn't come out the center of the thing. It just doesn't work right. And I follow the instructions to a T. Uh, when I bought my Troy for $250, which was a 10-inch handguard, that thing fit perfect. I mean, it was like I almost had to beat it on because it just perfectly fit around the receiver, perfectly fit around everything, and it all tightened down to where, you know, it, it was just insane. This thing was just complete quality in your hands. It was just a little bit heavier, but it was just, you could just tell the quality, the craftsmanship that was put into that Troy. Uh, LaRue, I've handled some LaRue quad rails. Amazing quality. I mean, they just they just fit. They don't move. They're just perfect. They they made for the gun. There is no errors. These things are just machined greatly. But there's other things out there you can use that are may work as well. I wouldn't recommend the Midwest. Maybe mine was just bad. I don't know. I have I had to get on a plane to fly to Okinawa, so I really didn't have time to fight Midwest or anything about it. I should have took it off and brought it with me and did it. But didn't really think about it at the time. I was too busy being upset about my rail being screwed up. Uh, but there's some other ones out there, some good names. UTG, Command Arms, uh, those, they have quad rail systems under handguards that are free-floating. Um, and those are, those are pretty quality names that uh, I wouldn't be afraid to give them a shot. I have never used them myself, but like I said, I wouldn't be afraid to give them a try. So there you got your $600 gun, $650 gun, and you throw a $100 quad rail on. Now you're about there. Once you've got that 16-inch barrel, you know, whatever kind of gun you want, and you got that handguard, you know, you're pretty much ready to put a little foregrip on, which costs every bit of 15, 20 bucks. That TLR1 that costs under $100, usually around 70, 65 right now, so depending on where you look. And um, so you can easily have this gun ready to rock for $850, you know, and that's not too hard to do and not something you got to do overnight just here and there you know you're dropping under 100 bucks here and there 
and that's kind of easy to fit into most people's budget, at least I would imagine, unless you got a budget like mine. Another idea is uh, buy used guns. Go to gunbroker.com, go to Guns America. You can buy used guns. Now, some people may not take very good care of their guns, but you can ask for more in-depth pictures, closer-up pictures. You see something you're not so sure about, like a scratch or something, if you care about that. If it's an AR, I don't care if the receiver scratched. I don't care if the barrel scratched. That doesn't matter to me. I want to know this barrel hasn't been shot out. I want to know that, it, that the thing operates right. I want to look at it. Uh, I'd want to know around about how many rounds were through it. And if I get it and I look at it, I'm like, this thing's had a lot more rounds than that through it. Or I have somewhat professional look at it and say, yeah, it's had a lot more than that. Then I can go back and contest this. But I don't, personally, it doesn't matter to me. I, I grew up like, don't touch the metal part of the gun because it's got bluing on it. Me, I'm not a fan of bluing. I don't, my guns, they don't care about bluing. They either have tenifer or they got spray paint. That's it. That's how my guns work. Some people that may matter to you and different strokes for different folks. But me, I'm simple. You know, this, and you can keep it cheap that way. Guns America, Gun Broker. And if you want to paint that gun, make it look good, well, that's really cheap, man. They sell camouflage Krylon at Walmart. Or they sell, you know, heat treated if you want to shoot a lot of shooting, you know, and stuff too. So not a hard thing to do if you want to paint the gun, make it look really sexy. Because if you guys haven't realized, camo is out. You know, khakis. Khakis like the new camo pants. You know, back in the day, everybody wore camo pants and stuff, and now they wore khakis. I was telling my wife that the other day when we were watching Top Shot. Here goes a tangent. We were watching Top Shot, and uh, there was this guy that really annoyed me wearing camouflage pants. Of course, there's quite a few guys that really annoyed me, but that's a different story altogether. But he was wearing camouflage pants, and I was like, look, he's even wearing camouflage pants. Doesn't he know that khaki's a new camo? Nobody wears camouflage pants anywhere anymore. It's like, you gotta wear khaki if you're on the range or whatever. Anyway. Top Shot, pretty cool show, though. Uh, check that out if you haven't on the History Channel. Um, I think I see episodes about two weeks behind here in Japan. JJ looks pretty promising. He usually does pretty well in the episodes I've seen. He might make it a long ways in that. And I like his attitude, so hopefully he does pretty well. But I'm really pulling for a fellow internet spokesperson, talk show host, Caleb Gibbings, because he does the Gun Nuts Radio. And if you guys don't listen to that, you should check him out. It's, uh, it's a good show. And uh, you guys, if you like this show, you probably enjoy it. And you could actually call into his show and stuff one day. I do have a Skype phone number. One of these days, I want to make it where you can call into me. Not quite ready for that yet. And our time zone different might conflict, but different story altogether. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping Caleb wins just because uh, I got to kind of back up a uh, gunfighting radio guy. If I can consider myself a radio guy. Um, so good luck to him. Watch the show. You know, it's um, it's interesting. I'll put it that way. It's kind of different, and I don't consider myself the greatest shooter ever or the most amazing shot by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, there's uh, quite a... The casting could have used a little bit of work. There could definitely have been uh, some better choices and shooters on there, in my opinion. Uh, maybe it was availability or something, I don't know. I didn't get a phone call, but uh, <laughs> probably won't either. But... Yeah. Anyway, uh, I would love to go on one of those shows sometimes and make a fool of myself, which is probably what I would do. But it'd be a heck of a good time to meet some cool people, though. Maybe one day. But anyway, back to uh, you know guns on a budget before I start another tangent. By the way, uh, my tangents, I've been told many times that everybody loves them. All right, So don't complain about my tangents, because everybody says they love my tangents and they enjoy them. So no complaining. Don't want to hear it. Don't care. It's not going to stop. Here's something crazy for you. Say you don't have 
say you're really broke. So you just, you can hardly put together any cash for any kind of home defense weapon. You don't have anything, but you want something to start with. You want something to protect your house, to protect your family, in your castle, in your home. This is easy for a very small amount of money. You could jump on one of these websites, Gun Broker, Guns America, um, other websites. You could go to gun stores. You could probably find a used gun. Go to a gun show. You could find something. Get a double barrel shotgun. If you can't afford anything else, just get a double barrel 12 gauge. Get a double barrel 16 gauge. Personally, I'm not a fan of going any lower than that. I prefer the 12 myself. The 20 gauge could have its purpose, but you know, I'd say the 12 gauge. Personally, that's what I would choose. And your price difference isn't going to be very significant. Grab the 12 gauge double barrel, and you can hose clamp a light to it. Just a small mag light or a big mag light. You can hose clamp it. Put it on there, duct tape it, make sure it's secure. Uh, yeah, you shoot a whole lot. Maybe your duct tape will melt, but guess what? Duct tape's not very expensive. Put some more duct tape on it. Who cares? doesn't matter. It's a cheap shotgun. It's a cheap, cheap shotgun that will stop bad guys from hurting you if you need to use it. It'll get the job done. And it's a double barrel. It doesn't have to be the most magnificently manufactured double barrel. It's basically going to have two hammers, and they're going to fall on primers. It's going to go boom, and it's going to send that shot out of those barrels. And it's going to be nasty. It's going to be rough to reload. It's going to be only two shots, but it's going to be better than nothing. So there's an idea for you. If you can't afford that $100 quad rail, $100 or less quad rail from UG or from UTG or Command Arms, then you can also hose clamp a light to your AR. If you guys see my Facebook picture on my actual Facebook account, I've got an M16A2 in a three-point sling hanging through my, down my chest, and I have a hose clamped big freaking mag light hose clamp to it. That's what we used to do in the Marine Corps for many, many years. We hose clamp mag lights to our A2s. That's just the way you did it. The front of it's bigger than the back, so try to get a piece of foam or something to put between the back as a spacer so you can have multiple hose clamps on that, that light so it stays secure there. But uh, it will work. It's heavy, and it's not the greatest thing, but it will work. Uh, another thing, you can reload your own ammo. If you want to shoot a lot and you don't have the money for it, just reload. You can make a lot of You can save a lot of money doing that. You can also spend a lot of money doing that, but if you do it smartly... You can come out on top and save some money. To do that, you probably should listen to Reloading Radio. Check it out on the Gun Rights Radio Network. Listen to that show and uh, get a little bit of knowledge about it. Another thing, if you bought something, instead of buying something else, like other people go through holsters like crazy, or they go through different parts of their AR like crazy. If there's something you buy that you don't like, that it doesn't work for you, try to modify it before you sell it. Because you're not going to sell it for the same price you got it for. Me, I bust out the Dremel tool and cut things up and try all kind of stuff, and hopefully it works. If it doesn't, it goes in the trash. And it's fun doing it, too. I enjoy modifying stuff, and it becomes like kind of my own thing. Uh, if you want to get a pistol, then you can't afford a new gun, look for used pistols, or look for one that's been previously issued to police. All right, some of those guns, they go for really, really cheap. And you can contact your... Uh, law enforcement agency or and see where they sell to where their guns go or if you can buy directly from them uh, there's quite a few options out there there's a lot of agencies right now switching to smith and wesson mmps so their glocks a lot of these are up for sale right now and they're easy to get their hands on good guns that have been shot very very little and a lot of them probably been taken care of very well uh, if you want to not a rifle just to plank with or shoot or, or something you know just in case or whatever you know shooting zombies uh, you can get a Moss and a Gaunt for very cheap 
Uh, you can also check out the civilian marksmanship program and find a, a good gun for that as well. That you know, you get an M1 Garand. Maybe it's something that you want to go out and shoot. Maybe it's something you just want to restore. But you can get some guns there for pretty cheap too. Uh, and lastly, uh, I'm interested in what other ideas you guys have for if you're on a budget. Because I know there's many of you on a budget just like I am. And you probably have some really good ideas of what you did. Uh, because you couldn't afford what you actually wanted. So you did something to satisfy your needs instead of your wants. And if you did that, or if you got something that you want to tell me about, and I'm going to read it on the air next show, send me an email and let me know anything that you guys have. And... That's pretty much it for the topic. One last thing that I want to do is tell you guys that I'm going to give you a VersaPak Mamba. It's a Maxpedition VersaPak Mamba. And it was sent in by a listener who wanted me to send it out to you guys as a giveaway. And basically, if you want to Google that and check it out and see what it is, it's a pretty cool little thing. doesn't quite work for me because it's black. If it was tan, coyote, or green, I might would give it a shot. In some areas, it can be useful for me, like back in the rear or in garrison or, you know, deployed, but on the actual base or somewhere in a semi-safe zone might be useful for me. For a law enforcement officer, I think it'd be very useful as a, a little bag to keep in their trunk with their magazines on, maybe like an active shooter bag. It could be very, very good for that kind of thing. And there's probably a lot of uses for it, whatever you can come up with. But if you want this, and I've got it, it's black, it's new. Uh, I'm going to send it to you and give it to you. I've only got one, so only one of you get it. So send me an email. Tell me why you need it and what you would do with it. Once again, Versapack Mamba, M-A-M-B-A. And uh, whoever has the best reason for me sending it to you and best idea to use it is going to get it. And it's simple as that. Uh, and that's pretty much it for episode number 32 of Gunfighter Cast. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time. Gunfighter Cast out.